The Long Point Biosphere Region proudly presents the In Sync with Nature podcast series about people's personal connection to nature, their sense of well-being in it, and their responsibility to care for it. The series was funded by the Ontario Trillium Foundation and the Government of Ontario and is sponsored by Groundswell Coworking of Simcoe, Ontario. My name is Cynthia Brink, and we have a special episode for you today. Located on the treaty lands and territory of the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nations and the traditional territory of the Neutral and the Haudenosaunee peoples, the Long Point Biosphere Region stands in sovereignty on these treaty lands with the Mississaugas of the Credit. Our special guest, former chief and member of the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nations, she is also the recipient of the Order of Canada and creator of the Moxon Identifier Project. Her project focuses on advancing treaty and Indigenous awareness by covering Canada in moccasins. I'd like to invite you into an in-depth conversation with Carolyn King. Good morning, Carolyn. How are you? Uh, good morning, Cynthia. I'm fine. This snowy, snowed-in day. Yeah, it, it, we've got quite a bit. I hear that you're going to get even more. The plows haven't come, so I am literally snowed in. <laughs> <laughs> Staying put. How have you been doing? Well, doing. I just say doing. You know, we're, we're real busy on the on the program that we have, the moccasin identifier, and the other initiatives that I do. I have a few. I've always been a busy person, right? And yeah. I have several local initiatives that I do. I do the community radio. Uh, I'm the president over there. And I've been, been involved since day one. And then uh, I'm the president of Shared Path Consultation Initiative, which is relationship building between municipalities and First Nations. And that uh, our uh, group there, a whole range of people with deep uh, expertise, you know, archaeologists, planners, uh, students, First Nations, and that we uh, we think that we can develop a sort of like a clearinghouse of information to help people understand about the First Nations and about the treaties. The moccasin identifier is also, that's working with the education system to get it into the uh, school into the Ontario school system to promote from kindergarten, from grade one to grade eight right now. But we do, we do high school and we do uh, uh, university, colleges and universities as well to provide information about treaty. My work and my life activity has all been, seems to be around communication and um, educating about the First Nations and I was the chief at one time here, uh, 20 years ago now, and that I, uh, for the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation, uh, 97 to 99, I was the elected chief. And that, uh, you know, you deal with treaty, you deal with land claims, and we were actively involved with the Toronto Purchase, uh, trying to settle that claim of over 200 years. And that, uh, so I got you know, I call it well-versed in treaty work, uh, what that means and the system that we have to work through to try settle. Um, and it did get settled in 2010, 10 years later from when I was on it. It was definitely a learning process. And we've continued to work to create communications 
about it. And the moccasin identifier was born out of a digital dot program that they were working on, where, for instance, when you're driving around, you would be able to hear, you'd be able to see on your smartphone a, a point of interest. And that point of interest might describe our relationship to that area. And it eventually evolved to be the stenciling program and lovingly called the moccasin identifier. So we've been working on that. That was, uh, I say it was born in uh, 2011 and that uh, we've been working on it ever since and evolved to what it is today. And we're starting to work uh, provincial wide, promoting provincial wide uh, use of the program, not just in the school system and beyond into the general public. We have a dream that we're going to go across uh, Canada and we're working on some interesting projects across Canada uh, with different groups, corporations, and with like, for instance, conservation authorities, you know, the trails, the, the first nations or the indigenous people's trails along the, the rivers, because that was the highway back in the day. And a lot of our significant sites are there. What's coming up is the Credit Valley Conservation. Uh, we have a long uh, working relationship with them, and we've uh, stenciled on their trailhead, uh, just stenciled. Uh, but as we move forward with the project, uh, we're going to create uh, nodes all the way down from the credit, all the way down the credit river, starting at the source, at, in this case, Orangeville, moving right to the mouth at Mississauga. And we're having, uh, we propose centers where people can come and participate, educate, and learn about it. Uh, there'll be markers and identifiers, so, uh, creating pathways and creating information about the Indigenous people who live there. So, Carolyn, in all of the work that that uh, you've done, it, it caught our attention at the biosphere uh, with regards to the some of the outdoor programming that we were doing and felt that was a great fit to be able to get the moccasin identifier um, information and kits and lesson plans into schools out here in the Grand Erie District School Board. And from all of that initiation of bringing that on board, uh, we've had many conversations about uh, your passion of sharing uh, your knowledge and the information that is kind of missing from our curriculum. What motivated you to do this? I'd say that one of the things that happened was that uh, we were we were working on that original um, program to create awareness about the First Nation. We were looking at ways about how do we how do we help people understand who we are. And I, like I say, I look back on my work. Uh, I've always kind of been in that position of always trying to educate or make aware to the local municipalities about the information. We were doing a presentation at our annual historical gathering and a um, person, a senior person in the uh, in the audience when I was presented about the digital dot, as I call it, they said, well, what if I what will I see if I go to that place uh, that you're talking about, which was Collingwood area? And what if I don't have a phone? What will I see? And I go, nothing. It's been dug up, plowed up. You'll see nothing. And it was suggested then that we create a 
placking system. So I said, okay, and we started. And the idea of uh, we started to talk about it and instead of a plaque system, something tangible, if somebody went to that site, they'd be able to read something and know what, what spot they were at. And we have this idea too, that those plaques are going to have a QR code that will still use technology. And so I, my job, we had that meeting. We said, well, what should it be? Carolyn, you needed a universal symbol to, you know, for placking. And so we talked about what that would be. And we said it would be suggested a, a feather. And I said, no, a feather is too sacred to us. And, you know, we use it in ceremony and honoring systems and stuff like that. And they said, well, maybe the dotums, you know, or the bear, the moose, the fish. And I said, no, that's the same thing. That, you know, those are things that are too sacred to us. And we wouldn't want them on the ground um, and people walking over them and not knowing what they mean and how important they are to us. So they said, oh, you better, you know, you got to give us something. We'll take this project to, you know, we're meeting with the government next week. I said, okay. So I go back to my office and I clean off my whiteboard and I write, what will identify us and connect us to the land? And I say, I shouldn't have, it shouldn't have taken me three days, but every day I read it and I said, what is it? And on the third day, I said, it's our footwear. That's why I call myself the creator and founder of the moccasin identifier. So we've been working on that. Um, that's how it started. We started to investigate or do research about what what the, the different moccasin and what moccasin we'd, we'd use. And it has evolved to be four moccasins, uh, designs that we've worked with the Baddest Shoe Museum in Toronto to uh, identify linguistically Ontario, the Cree in the north, the um, Nishnabi kind of all over Ontario, the Huron-Wendats across uh, sort of Collingwood over the Toronto area. Uh, the Wendats are, are in Quebec today. And then the next one would be the Seneca. We have the Seneca Haudenosaunee. Uh, design because in the historical context, they were the group that moved in from New York State to try settle Southern Ontario. And today, they're all, all the Six Nations groups, Iroquois groups are here. But that's how it started. And we've been evolving ever since and growing. And some, I, I say, even exponentially. You're listening to In Sync with Nature, presented by the Long Point Biosphere. So there was a lot of research you had to do to pull in the design for these mocks and templates that you've you've put in your kits. So why is this program so important for Indigenous and non-Indigenous people? In regards to our treaties, uh, we're the, like the original people on the land and that uh, our story has been left out of the education system. It's just... Unfortunate, but that's the way it's been. People didn't, when they went to school, they never, they had very little or not, no uh, awareness about the First Nations people. There's always, what I say, been a need to create programming content that the schools, the teachers can use to add to their, you know, teachings. And this, um, it, it evolved to be, 
uh, the curriculum that we have today. And we, we put, have a website that we put online, uh, free to the teachers, the curriculum and the interactive. And we call it the, the stenciling of the moccasin is like enacting the treaty because we're all treaty people, your side, our side, you know, and the land. So it's, um, it helps make that linkage. It's a lot of fun. It's educational. And we, we just get all messy doing it. I, I just find that they just take it up real easy and have a lot of fun doing it. That's been my experience uh, with working with the children. And, and we talk about treaty, what treaty is, and um, explain to them that process. As, as best we can in the grade level, it's all different. I, I remember a story you told me about in Toronto where you were stenciling uh, moxins all over the place. The Mississaugas of the Credit, Toronto and the Toronto Purchase Treaty 13, that's our, our uh, arrangement, in which case uh, they surrendered that and lots of irregularities in that. So it was always contentious and the whole idea about educating about that and getting it settled. Like I said, for me as a a chief or a member here, we've always been out there educating about what Treaty 13, the Toronto Purchase was, is. And that, uh, so we went through the whole research and settlement process uh, and that happened in 210. So we are out there doing that kind of work all the time. We have a good relationship with Toronto. We talk about the importance of teaching young students about treaties, but the reality is that there are so many adults that don't understand these treaties. What would you like to tell people about it? I think that uh, we're left out of that educational delivery about us. I think that they can learn too. Uh, today, there are, now we have websites, we have books written about us. We have magazines. We're becoming part of, you know, that communication system. We've been doing radio here for 30 years. We have to make our own airtime right to the point of running a radio station, our own community-based radio station. Talk about our community, our stories, bringing the language back. And uh, now on, on TV, we have APTN. So there's more, uh, what do you call it, ways, mediums to for adults to learn. We have to create our own because the system doesn't take us up. So what would you say would be the biggest takeaway from this project uh, with the stencils at the school level, as well as the installations for some of the adults that are just becoming acquainted to this history? I have a dream too, that this province, because that's what we're working on right now, Ontario, will be covered in moccasin identifiers within the next decade. And they will be ever be forever reminded about whose land they're on. And that's the combination of the washaway stencils in the school or permanent things, permanent markers and monuments. And that's what we're working on. So that would kind of explain your your passion and what your dreams and visions were for this project so it seems to be coming to fruition for you which is beautiful it is it is growing 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 and that uh, i can only see it getting better and there's other other things that are attached get attached to it like um, 
uh, street naming. Uh, we're involved in several street renaming, or now the municipalities who were involved, they ask us, you know, what would you name this street? We're just being approached by uh, uh, Mike Hamilton about uh, monuments and sites. What do you think we should do? Our current topic right now is like Edgerton Ryerson and renaming of the school. Uh, and also for uh, Dundas, I just got an email now for uh, any input I want to give about the renaming of Dundas. Uh, the city of Toronto has uh, decided that they will look to rename it and anything related to it. So things are changing. I'm optimistic that people are looking to address uh, the uh, lack of information and history provided to the, the general population. So this would fall into place for people looking for um, ways to participate in what we keep hearing about, which is truth and reconciliation. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of information out there on top of the projects that you're involved in, Carolyn. Where else can they also reach out to to get more information on things that they can do to be involved with this process? Well, what I'd say is that people can check out our First Nation website. They can check out the Moccasin Identifier website, which is just moccasinidentifier.com, and that uh, there's information in there about the project. But there are now uh, organizations and there's seminars that are out there that people, um, like, you know, whether it's university level, uh, we just did a whole session with York University on what they call polishing in the chain, and it talks about the... Uh, relationship with the First Nations and that uh, uh, I say that the moccasin identifier is like that original relationship activity of polishing the chain means that you go back and you talk about it. You talk about that relationship and remind yourself on an annual uh, regular basis what that was supposed to mean. And uh, over the time we've got away from that. And so People have lost, uh, you know, connection with the First Nation and media. Media hasn't helped, you know, they cover the, the protests and, you know, about uh, that's sort of the main thing that hits the hits the media that we've done. Uh, we're standing up and doing protests here in Haldeman. Uh, we have Caledonia, which is still ongoing. And that, uh, but things like that and across the country it happens. So the more we can be able to tell our side with outside of conflict, I think can change, can help change that future for us. And just going to participate, um, attend those communities. They have public events like powwows uh, or cult, like our, we have a cultural event. Look at webinars that, that explain the treaties, uh, explain the First Nations and um, watch APTN. There's lots of stuff on APTN. Uh, I watch that and learn how to do different things that different nations, different groups have, have done uh, over the time. So I, there's ways now that people can easily go and find out about us and, you know, call me. Don't be shy, right? Don't be shy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been wonderful um, having this time with you. I can never get enough 
I know that we can go on for hours and hours yeah. and, and that would be beautiful. But, you know, I do have you here on a Friday and that's the day that you should be taking it easy. <laughs> well, we're forced to take it easy today. There's no gold driving around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Well, I want to thank you very much. I am very grateful for the time you took to do this podcast with me. And I look forward to Great. working on the projects with you in our region and to pull together as much information as we can so that we bring people together on the land and um, that people appreciate yeah. what they have. Yeah, that sounds uh, great. And that's what we want to do is to, you know, build those relationships back up and not be afraid to talk to each other about, you know, what has happened. That's, uh, you know, that's a real challenge and, you know, that people don't want to be blamed and things like that. So I think in building tools like this that can build that understanding, or at least educate a little bit to see this is how this happened. So yes. I think, uh, you know, in the point being with the biosphere is because uh, it's the connection to the land and all of its environments, I think is a great place to be. Thank you very much. Yep. Chimigwech. Chimigwech. This podcast was brought to you by the Long Point Biosphere Region, funded by the Ontario Trillium Foundation and the Government of Ontario, produced by Work Cabin Creative, and researched by Amélie Chanda. Make sure to download our reflection guide found in the show notes. And for more information about the Long Point Biosphere, please visit longpointbiosphere.com. Make an impact, donate, become a member, or volunteer with the Long Point Biosphere Region. 